0: This is Susanna Hill's podcast. We hope this message becomes a revelation in your heart and will encourage you to live a Christ-centered life. Thanks for checking out our podcast. Here's today's message. Wonderful. Well, good evening, everyone. It is uh, a huge, huge privilege to be back with you once again and uh, to see what God is doing. And uh, thanks for coming out this evening. And I really am trusting that uh, that God would come and speak to us. I do have, uh, have something on my heart which... Um, Uh, I'm going to kind of introduce to you and take you through it. And uh, I know that I've got to be careful not to step too far, right? I suppose this is how you keep your preachers in the same. You put a motor on. Um, I'll try and stay centered. There we go. But I'm really trusting that, uh, I mean, actually what I'm going to share to you tonight is, is really simple. And yet, the implications of it can have a profound impact on our lives. And, and so that's really what I'm trusting for. It's, it's one thing to educate a head, but to get a heart to be transformed is supernatural. Jesus, in fact, said it to Peter when he said, you are the Christ. He said, this is not revealed to you by any man on earth, but by my Father in heaven. And so I'm going to ask you right now to, to really... Ask the Holy Spirit yourself. Say, please, Holy Spirit, I, I want you to speak into my heart tonight. So I'm going to pray, but I really want you to echo the prayer in your heart. So, Father, we, we come before you, and I pray on behalf of all of us that you would come and speak. Speak into our hearts, Lord. I pray for your Holy Spirit, Spirit of wisdom and revelation, the Spirit of truth. Holy Spirit, please speak into our hearts. Help us to drop our defenses, the distractions. We want our hearts to be like that good soil that takes in the seed. I pray that this simple revelation tonight would have a radical impact upon our futures, upon our ability to lead your people, upon the the maturity of our own journey with you. And so, Lord, we just commit this time to you. Come and have your way I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, I've had a little bit of a, not a crisis of faith, but rather, I've had a, I've been preaching the gospel. I've been preaching for 25, 26 years. I've been preaching the gospel all of that time, but recently come to a a conclusion that I might have been doing it wrong. And which, I mean, that's, that's quite a big thing when, you know, you've given your life to preaching the gospel and you suddenly realize, well, cook, maybe I've, maybe I've been doing it wrong. So let me give you some backstory and take you on my little journey. I started, I mean, beginning of the year, I was in Zimbabwe and, and I was preaching. I'd been invited to come and teach at, the, at two of the national elders and preached and it was great, I had a wonderful time. And in between, the New Covenant Ministries apostolic team were having their meeting and some of the team guys were sharing, well, how's it going in the church? How's it going in the church? And The overriding description of what's happening in the church, I just keep hearing the word poverty, 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 poverty. And I mean, Zimbabwe is a poor nation. And and, I mean, I've been to Zim many times, and and I've got a lot of friends from Zimbabwe. I know it's been through economic collapse. Obviously, poverty is a problem. But the poverty that you're hearing about is not just a lack of resources on the outside. it's, It's impacting people on the inside. And... This idea, this this concept of when poverty goes from the outside to the inside, when poverty is no longer about resources, it's now about identity, that's a problem. So now I'm I'm wrestling under I'm 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 contemplating this. Why is it that all of these churches blessed by God, full of the Holy Spirit, why is this thing of this inner sense of poverty, such a big thing. Went from there, a couple of, about a month later, I went to Pakistan. I've been there a couple of times, and Chad, my faithful, loyal armor bearer here, was with us, so he can testify, same thing. And, and I'd seen from the first trip going into Pakistan, now let me qualify. Pakistan is the Islamic Republic of Pakistan. So it's not easy to be a Christian in Pakistan, and yet, I mean, we've done outdoor evangelism, crusades. I've preached in many churches. There are a lot of churches in Pakistan. But the problem is, I hear this all the time from the pastors. We are the poor, persecuted Christians of Pakistan. The identity of the church is, we are the poor persecuted Christians of Pakistan, and the problem with that is every time they try and make contact with any outside ministries, it's always, we the poor persecuted Christians of Pakistan, and this is what we're going for, and our only salvation, can you send money? And so going in, now please hear my heart, I, I love the guys, and, and it's, it's easier to, to look at other people's culture and say, oh, this is wrong, this is wrong, when you don't realize it's happening in your heart as well which I'll describe in a moment. So what, we, what, what happens is now we're going in to meet with pastors and do training, and, and I'm hit with this fat bull. No, no, because we have to pay for all the transport, accommodation, lunch, lodgings, everything, because, I mean, how could you ever expect a poor persecuted Christian of Pakistan to pay to come to a conference? But then I'm looking at the schools. They've got a lot of Christian schools there because they don't want to send their kids to Kind of a Quran government type school. I get that. But I mean, how could you ever charge a young Christian child or family to go to school? So, so the school needs to provide free education, free lunch every day, free backpack, free school uniform, free everything because they're the poor persecuted Christians of Pakistan. You see, it's not about money. Now it's become an identity on the inside. And when I talk about a, a poverty thinking or poverty mentality, it's, it's when your identity has become, I'm a victim, um, I can't, there's, there's no way out, my, my only salvation might be money, or there's, a, or there's a desperation, or there's a sense of lack, or a sense of helplessness, or a sense of neglect. Now, I'm looking at this, and, and I'm like, God, this doesn't seem right. I mean, I've seen it in in churches in Zirma. I've seen it in churches in Pakistan. I see it. I come from Zululand, and, and I see it in my own heart. How is it that so many Christians, they know your sins are forgiven, I'm going to heaven, and yet there's this inner poverty inside. And that inner poverty then begins to manifest on the outside with a sense of desperation or neglect or despair or helplessness. I mean, Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In other words, it's blessed to start there because the good news is there's a kingdom. In other words, it's blessed to start there because the kingdom should take you out of that. It's not blessed to stay there. So now why are there so many Christians in so many countries that are living with this poor in spirit still when they know about Jesus? And that that set me on a journey. I'm like, Lord, something's not right. Now, to qualify once again, I, my background is engineering. It's, it's I want to understand how things are made and put together and structured so that I, c- I can understand it and hopefully build something out of it. And now I've come to the conclusion, I mean, Paul said it like this, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. Now that salvation is not just your sins are forgiven, but that means the power of the gospel has the potential to radically transform every part of our lives. So now, why are Christians in so many places in living with this inner sense of helplessness and desperation? Why is the gospel not working? Must, well, can't be God's fault. Which leads me to the conclusion what is it about the gospel that I and maybe we haven't been preaching properly that is. That is getting people their sins are forgiven, they're going to heaven, and yet they're still living with a sense of poverty on the inside. And, and for me, it was like, a, God, there's something not right. And I, I began praying, seeking the Lord, and I started coming to a couple of conclusions, which is, is impacting me quite dramatically. Conclusion number one. I realized that the gospel doesn't start with Jesus. Now, don't look at me like that. Okay, because I've got to say, let me say right up front, I'm absolutely a Jesus-focused, Jesus-loving. But now help me with this verse, John three sixteen. Say it with me. For? For God so loved the world, He gave His only Son, Jesus. So, so what happened before Jesus was sent? The Father loved His children. So actually, the gospel didn't start with Jesus. It started with the love of a heavenly father that loved his children so much, that loved people so much, that he sent Jesus. I mean, does that make sense? Even, I mean, if you think about uh, the Great Commission, and Jesus gives us the Great Commission, go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of. I don't think that's just water tank. To baptize means to immerse. In the name, name is not just brand. Name means your identity. Biblically, it means your identity, your attributes. So to disciple means to immerse someone in the nature, the identity, the attributes of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So I realize that the gospel actually starts with the Father. It's all about Jesus. Jesus, I'm not minimizing the work of Jesus in any way because he's the one. The power of the gospel is in Christ. He was the one crucified, the innocent for the guilty. He was broken so that we could be put back together. He was punished so we could be healed. He took our sin. He united us. He drew us into covenant so that we receive his death as payment for our sin. We receive his place in eternity. We receive his inheritance. Jesus has done it. But Jesus said this. Well, let me say this. This is my second discovery, is that the gospel doesn't finish. (laughs) With Jesus. Because Jesus said this, John 14, verse 6, remember that famous verse? Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. Nobody comes to the Father, except He didn't say no one comes to heaven. And we sometimes think that's the destination. No, no, Jesus said, Here's the destination. The destination is my Father. That's why Jesus died. That's why He paid the price to get you connected to His Father. So do you see what I'm saying in terms of, it's, it's all about Jesus. But it didn't start with Jesus, and it doesn't finish with Jesus. It started with the love of a father. Jesus comes and does the power and the work so that we, so that he could open up a door so that we could be connected back to his father. I realized I've been preaching a fatherless gospel I've been preaching a gospel all about Jesus, passionately, because I love Jesus, and He forgives sin. But now I understand why people know their sins are forgiven. They know they're going to heaven, but they haven't been connected into the wonder of our Heavenly Father. And I began to realize, well, so what? Well, here's what. Third revelation or moment of clarity that came is, is why is this so critical? Because the more I thought about it, a poverty spirit, a poverty mentality, is actually got nothing to do with money. I mean, it can manifest itself in, in money, because but actually a poverty spirit is not about money. It's about value. It's about value. And, and we all have a sense of value, and we all crave greater sense of value, But actually, poverty spirit is rooted in a low, low sense of inner value. And then it hit me, but where does does a child get their value from? A good father. Good fathers impart value. I'm not moms as well, but primarily statistics will show you, research will show you. It's actually the identity, the value of a child is fashioned primarily through a father speaking, imparting value into a child and so now it suddenly makes sense in fact that the scripture if you have your bibles i'd love you to to have a look in ephesians chapter 1 verses uh, 3 to 8 just to give you some glimpse of the wonder and value of the heavenly father ephesians 1 verses 3 to 8 i'm reading from the nrv and it says praise be to the god and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with ev- in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For He chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. In love, He predestined us for adoption to sonship so that in Jesus, through Jesus Christ, in accordance with His pleasure and will, to the praise of His glorious grace, which He has freely given us in the one He loves. In Him, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that He's lavished on us. I mean, do you hear that language? The riches, the lavish, chosen us. Now, how can so many Christians right around the world be living with an inner sense of poverty when this is the Father who's lavish with his love and with his grace and with his riches? And so then I came to the next conclusion. In the world, we, we live in a we live in a earning. A buying and selling, earning world. The wages of sin is death. But in the kingdom of God, it's different. Remember that verse? It says, the wages of sin, but the gift of God is eternal life. So the worldly way of thinking is always about earning, but the kingdom of God is always about giving and receiving. It's a completely different, so when you're born again, you come out of the system where you primarily, your thinking is always about earning something into the kingdom of God where it's about giving and receiving. So now, people have this innate desire. We want to feel valuable. So where does our value come from? Well, worldly thinking is, well, obviously you've got to earn it. So so how do you earn your value in the world? Well, it, it could be things like performance. Through how much money I make... It could be how good I am, how much I can impress people. It could be my my strength or my looks or your beauty or your this or your that. All of these things we do because we're trying to earn that sense of value from the world. That's why things like social media are dangerous because sometimes we're scrolling through the highlights reel of other people's lives while we're sitting in our pajamas on the couch at home eating chips and thinking, we're a cook, Look how amazing they are, and like, look at me. And what's happened is instead of our value going up, our value's going down. And, and there's always someone richer, and there's always someone stronger, there's always someone more beautiful, and, and there's this fight inside of us. I come from the, the pastor's world, and let me tell you, pastors are not immune from us. Sometimes pastors can do the same thing. Sometimes it can be through big titles, or it could be through big st- Seats on the stage and and in some ways we do so many things sometimes because I I want to feel valuable but now here's the big idea see when when Jesus was baptized he he comes up out of the water and it said heaven was opened and and the Holy Spirit came like a dove and rested on him and it said the voice of the father said this is my son whom I love with him I'm well pleased now, a couple of years later, Jesus takes Peter, James, John, come with me. They go up a mountain, and on the top of the mountain, it says he was transfigured. His, his clothes began to shine, and Moses and Elijah come down and speak with Jesus. Peter's freaked out. Should I build a tent? What should I? And, and the cloud is, is, hovers over them, and the voice, it says this majestic voice comes from the cloud. And what does it say? This is my son, whom I love. With him I'm well pleased. Listen to him. Twice. The Father speaks over Jesus. This is my son, whom I love. With him I'm well pleased. That must have had such an impact on Peter's life. Because later on he writes, and it's in uh, the Bible. (laughs) It's in here, here, 2 Peter. 2 Peter 1 verse 17. This is such an important verse. 2 Peter 1 verse 17. It says this. He, speaking about Jesus. Jesus received. Say Received. He received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice, say voice, when the voice came to him from the majestic glory saying, this is my son whom I love, with him I'm well pleased. Isn't that beautiful? So remember, two kingdoms, kingdom of earning, kingdom of receiving. Now it shows here that Jesus, where did he get his value from? the honor and glory, the value, the security, the identity, he received it from his Father, from the voice of his Father. Now, here's the thing. When we're born again into this kingdom, out of earning, into receiving, by the Holy Spirit, we need to receive. Whereas we, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to my Father. Thanks for joining us for today's message. Don't forget to check out our website or visit City on a Hill International on Instagram or Facebook for our updates, celebration times or ways you can get involved. We are also streaming our message on Facebook Live, so make sure you join us or share the post. Thanks again for checking out our podcast. We'll see you soon.